This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Motor. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs of all modern music. <clears throat> Season's greetings and welcome <laughs> once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am JP Motor. And we're here to celebrate. So- so- <laughs> Keep this in. Yeah. <laughs> Seasons, we're here to celebrate the greatest songs of modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Doing fantastic, Rob. Happy birthday. Hey, thanks. Happy birthday. Today, is, as we drop this, is Rob's birthday. That's right. Weakness. Week. Not weakness. Birthday day. Birthday this, day. This is my yeah. birthday day. Birthday day. Um... I got a little fantastic story that I got between episodes. So okay. we record episodes back to back to back um, just for time's sake and yep. hope you guys are cool with that. doesn't really matter. It's how we got to do it. So I got a text <laughs> from my wife that has a friend that drives for Uber over the times that they're not at work. They work together when they drive. Uh, he drives for Uber whenever he's not at her job. Pick somebody up at the airport that asked him if he'd heard the Great Song Podcast. Would you look at that? How neat is that? Somebody flew into Nashville, and they're listening to the same episode, which happens to be us. Man, that's fantastic. How awesome is that? Would you so look he's at like, that? So he picks, up a, he picks up a guy in an Uber, and he's like, hey, what are you listening to? Yeah, what are you listening right? to? Like, and the guy's like, have you heard of the, the Great, Great Song, Song Podcast? Unbelievable. And it's us. And so that gave us all the feels. Unbelievable. So thanks, babe, for sharing that story with me. Makes me feel real good. So, Unbelievable. Um, and you know what? That got, that gives us a little R-E-S-P-E-C-T that's in right. somebody's mind. That it makes us, respect. It makes us feel respect. Happy know? birthday, Aretha! Yeah. Hey now, Rob and Aretha sharing the same birthday. That's right. For those of y'all that listen to the Dave Barnes episode, you yes. know they share the birthday. So this is a birthday celebration. Happy birthday in heaven, Aretha! Two of the greatest uh, musical influences of our time: Definitely. Robert Alley and Aretha Franklin. Definitely, without a doubt. But we're not covering a Robert Alley song today. We're no. covering an Aretha song. If y'all couldn't tell by the teasers from last week. Where yeah. we hinted on Aretha a couple of times. That's right. Let's kick off an Aretha Franklin song, Rob. Hit it. Come this on. This is Respect. That song still slaps so hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, we're listening to it. I don't think I, like it. It's so infectious. You can't not get down with that song. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> one of the most universally beloved songs ever. Right? There's not people who don't like this song. You know what I'm saying? Like Nazis like respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, Everybody likes respect. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just I'm just saying terrorists like this song. You know? It, you can't help it. It's a good tune. Yeah, it's a good tune. Makes your shoulders bounce. Yeah, it makes it makes all kinds of parts of you bounce. It's, a good it's, just, step. it's just crazy. Uh, from the 1967 album, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, um, written by Otis Redding. Uh, we'll talk about it. Um, this was number five on the Rolling... Th- listen, this was number five on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. That's what we're talking about, okay? That's why it gets your body moving. That's right. Because it's number five on the greatest songs of all time list, according to Rolling Stone. Uh, the re- you want to hear the round out? Sure. The, the rest of that top five. Home. Number four is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Number three is Imagine by John Lennon. 
Number two, Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. And number one, Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan, which almost doesn't even count, right? Like, to Rolling Stone magazine. It's got Rolling Stone in the title. Yeah, Come like, on. like a Rolling Stone is to them what Walking in Memphis is to us, yeah, exactly. right? Like a Rolling Stone inspired the magazine. Uh-huh. So, like... That do- almost doesn't even count. Yeah. It has to be number one. It will be forever <laughs> yeah. for them. So that's the company of this song. Respect, what's going on, imagine, satisfaction, like a Rolling Stone. It's that level, you know what I'm saying, of greatness. It won two Grammys in 1968 for Best R&B Recording and Best R&B Solo Vocal Performance. Uh, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1987. Uh, it's number four on a cool list called Songs of the Century, which I'd never okay. heard of, uh, which is compiled by uh, the Recording Industry Association of America, the RIAA, the National Endowment for the Arts, and Scholastic Inc., like Scholastic Books, you know what okay. I'm saying, like uh, uh, mm-hmm. kids' books. Um, this list is intended to present a list of 365 songs that, quote, promote a better understanding of America's mu- musical and cultural heritage. It's number four. On this, on wow. on that list compiled by those three organizations. Uh, number three is it's it's a different different feel. You get a different feel for what they're going for when you hear the rest of the songs. Number three is "This Land Is Your Land" by Woody Guthrie. Number two is "White Christmas," and number one is "Over the Rainbow." So it's it's a like it says America's musical and cultural heritage. It's not all songs by Americans, but it's just important songs to America, I guess. Uh, and this is number four, respect. The, hear that. White Christmas, Over the Rainbow, This Land is Your Land, Respect by Goodness Aretha Franklin. Gracious, yeah. I mean, come on. like It's that important. You know what I'm saying? It was added to the National Recording Registry in 2002 by the Library of Congress. And you know what? It does not appear on the Billboard All-Time 600. What? This song, Bill, it's William Board again. Dude, that guy. Bill, Will, Bill, Bill Board. What is your problem? Somebody has to explain this list to me. Oh my this, goodness! This song does not appear, <laughs> nor does Aretha Franklin at all. What in the world? I mean, but you know what? I mean, why should it? No. Why should it? Here comes the list. It's not hanging by a moment by Lifehouse. <laughs> Or Boogie Oogie Oogie by A Taste of Honey. Oh, man. It's not Lollipop by Lil Wayne. Oh, man. You know what I mean? Why would this deserve to be in that list? (laughs) It's not up there with Lollipop by Lil Wayne? We were so close to interviewing Lil Wayne, and then you just... (laughs) Man, come on. I mean, get it together. Billboard, I don't understand this list. And I really try. Like, yes, now it's a running joke on the show. But, like, I really try to find something. And there's just not info on this list. It doesn't make any sense. I need somebody at Billboard. Somebody, somebody we know is connected to Billboard magazine that can get us some answers on this. Somebody we know. Help us out on this one, guys. Man, it makes me angry every single time now that I look on that list. <sighs> anyway, uh, a little bit on the song itself, produced by Jerry Wexler, um, at least technically, uh, but it's pretty understood that Aretha was truly the force behind the style and the vision of her version and and most of what she did. Um, I, I watched a, a cool um, documentary piece that was from 1968 um, that I think ABC had done then, and and it had studio footage, interviews with Jerry Wexler, interviews with Aretha and her husband and her dad. Um, and, um, and so, and Jerry Wexler said himself that basically Aretha is the one that brings everything in and then they work everything else around. She comes in, plays it on piano and, and does it how she wants to present it. And then they work the rest of the arrangement around that, which somebody else that we talked about recently, that was kind of the case with them too. And I'm trying to remember, Oh, it was Dave Barnes talking about James Taylor oh, yeah. that he comes in and then Plays they work it. the rest of the arrangement around how he is doing the bass lines and yeah. stuff with his fingers. Same thing with Aretha here. She brings it in, plays the piano, plays it her, you know, how she, how she hears it. Uh, and then they work out uh, the rest of the band parts and the BGVs uh, around all that. So it's really cool. Uh, Jerry Wexler said her version virtually defined the national consciousness at that moment in history, near the peak of the civil rights movement and kind of a shot across the bow for the burgeoning like women's liberation movement. It's a big, important song. That's oh, why yeah. it's on that, um, that, um, you know, that list of important songs to America mm-hmm. is because it's, it really is more than just a song. Now for people of like our generation and younger, it, it becomes, you know, kind of just a cool song. But for people who were living in the sixties at that point, it was an important song. It, mm-hmm. it really meant something. Um, 
It was released April 29th, 1967, uh, the day after Muhammad Ali was stripped of his boxing championship oh, wow. for, for refusing to be drafted Go into Vietnam. Yeah, so it, it's that era, right? Wow. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, the next day Aretha Franklin puts out Respect, which in its, That's cool. when its I own. That's cool. I like story. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So um, I, I, this was cool. I just took this. I, I'm quoting here from an article on Slate.com talking about the song and its impact. Uh, on societally speaking, um, it says, quote, it literally spells out a fundamental human need, right? R-E-S-P-E-C-T is, you know, uh, in a way that mainstream pop had not heard before with both maximum dignity and maximum playfulness. It does it in the names of women, people of color, and anyone else exhausted and exasperated with being treated as less than a full person. All of this somehow packed into two and a half minutes that begin with horns and a string-bending guitar riff and the big bang of what you want, right? Is it a question mark? Is it an exclamation point? And then it expands it into a universe with no discernible terminal horizon. Uh, That is well said. The Slate article also appropriately refers to the song as an anthem of female empowerment, one that emphasized resistance and self-possession rather than just suffering and forbearance. Um, And it's kind of a, um, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. A lot, of course, a lot of people don't know more people now, I think that Aretha has passed and there's been more focus on this, but, uh, but a lot of people don't know that Otis Redding wrote this and recorded a, his own version Mm -hmm. a couple of years earlier. But his version is from a male perspective, and it's more of like, um, woman, I'm paying the bills, so you owe me this respect when I get home. You know what I'm saying? Um, And it's almost, listen to his version, and depending on who you ask, it is just problematic now. It doesn't, it doesn't. Doesn't translate well. It doesn't, yeah, exactly. It doesn't come off super well now. Um, It's, you know, like. And probably because. You've heard the other version so well known too. Yeah, you add that that you know the the take that Aretha's delivering, yeah. and then you try to go opposite into That's the extreme. True. And yeah, that's true. Hearing his second kind of makes it feel like an affront to her version. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So that's true. I, I had not thought about that, uh, but it's really so to hear the changes that she made to her version to make it what it is. Um, is is really you know because his version charted. I mean, it, it was it wasn't. It didn't blow the world. You it know, wasn't number five. Right. Yeah, exactly. It probably made the billboard 600. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you want to talk about, uh, now you got me mad all over again. You want to talk about disrespect. You know what I'm saying? Keep, keeping that off the list. Oh, That's man. Right. Just. Let's, let's meet the band. Yeah. I'll tell you I need a minute band. to cool down. I'll, 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 I'll introduce you. <laughs> hey, let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. Hey! All right, we're going to meet the band that played on Respect um, on organ, Dewey Spooner Oldham. Come on, That's Dewey. Right, Dewey Spooner. No, oh, it's kind of like Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Dewey Spooner Dewey, and Howe. Dewey Spooner, Oldham. That's right, Oldham. Uh, helped contribute on When a Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge. He's yep. the organ guy on that. And Mustang Sally by Wilson Pickett. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's all you need. Started at Fame Studios, a uh, member of the Muscle Shoals crew. Moved to Memphis, lots of time in L.A., all over the place, just playing with everybody. Bob Dylan, Joe Cocker, Bob Seger, J.J. Kale, Jackson Brown. Spent the majority of his time uh, live with Neil Young. Uh, Interesting, and I mean he's legit as as it comes on Oregon. Uh, recently with the Drive By Truckers, so he's still no kidding, still around, still doing his thing. Inducted cool. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a sideman, which I think is cool. Like oh, he's inducted yeah. in as just sideman. That's cool. I love that. I fact. want that. That's right. I'm just the guy. I'm the sideman. I know my role. Yeah. I don't have to be with your band. I don't have to be my solo thing. I'm sideman in quotes. Um, on guitar, Chips Mummin, uh, a lot of stuff with Aretha, Waylon Jennings, BJ Thomas, and Elvis. He actually helped produce In the Ghetto and Kentucky Rain for Elvis. There you go, on Elvis in Memphis. Um, on another guitar, Jimmy Johnson, not the Dallas football coach, okay, not the NASCAR driver, okay. Um, Jimmy Johnson, the guitar player. Stuff with Etta James, Wilson Pickett, Boz Skaggs, Paul Simon, and the Oak Ridge Boys, oh. and Glenn Fry, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, there you go. On bass, Tommy Cogbill, 
stuff with Dolly Parton, King Curtis, Chris Christopherson, who I haven't seen at Red Rooster since I called him out on the podcast. <laughs> you see that guy there all the time. I think I blew his cover. Oh, no. I kind of feel bad. Like, I think, uh, I'm sorry, Chris. I know oh, you man. listen to the podcast all the time. Yeah. And I'm sorry I Big called you out show. for being at the Red Rooster. I was going to come say, hey, next time I saw you, but I haven't seen you since then. Um, on drums, pretty much the same tracks as Spooner with Percy Sledge and Wilson Pickett. Uh, Roger Hawkins. Wait, Paul, oh, I'm sorry. No, the drummer just, is Roger Hawkins. There you go. On the same tracks as Dewey Spooner Oldham okay. with uh, Wilson Pickett and Percy Sledge. He plays drums on those same tracks. And these drums, put on some headphones and listen to these drums. They sound so good. The snare sounds incredible. Yep. I don't know what it was. I would actually like to know what that snare is. You know what I mean? What he actually played. Um, 80 stuff. He did. Toured with Willie Nelson uh, and Clapton. Those were his two gigs. Um, and then just a classic Muscle Shoals guy from Alabama. Um, on tenor sax, first time we got to talk about this guy, King Curtis, Curtis Owsley. Yeah. And I know Rob's going to talk a little bit on the sax part, but this was the sax guy in that area, in that era. So you got Yakety Yak, play Yakety Yak. Wow. Play this song. He's the sax guy on this. So, really? Yeah. Take out the paper and the trash. <laughs> this is your sax player on this. <laughs> Take out the papers and the trash Or you don't get no spending cash If you don't scrub that kitchen floor You ain't gonna rock and roll no more don't talk back. Just finish cleaning. Yeah. Man. Oh, there you go. Who put the blanket over the dude that says don't talk back? <laughs> no. um, and so the stuff with the coasters, that and Charlie Brown's their other big hit. Uh, Yakety Sax with Boots Randolph, which yeah. was Boots Randolph's version. Played with the Kingpins, which I think this story is so cool. He was The Kingpins were the band that opened for the Beatles at Shea Stadium. Oh, wow. So that was the band that went out before. That was his band, oh, the Kingpins. What a, that's a piece of trivia right How there. How neat is that? It's King Curtis's band. So then I was thinking, I wonder who the Beatles like opened for. Sure. Because like, they, you know, and so then that led me to a section of openers that like destroyed the closing act. Mm. Or like, I wouldn't say destroyed, but like the people, like Rob said, has said it before, like the people you left talking about. Yeah. Um, 1963, the Beatles opened for Roy Orbison. Okay. So, I mean, Roy, big in his own right, but come on. Um, 78, ACDC opened for Rainbow, which was Ricky, Richie Blackmore's oh. band. And then ACDC yeah, that's a problem. blew up after that. I know. Yeah. Number three, this is what Garth Brooks opened for the Judds in, ni- in 91. Oh, wow. So that's like prime Garth. Dang, what a and, tour. I know, right? But, I mean, I guess the Judds were pretty big, but yeah, Garth 90- as an opener, and they said that the – I've heard many. I've, I've read a lot of articles on that, and they're like, you could feel the excitement go down, oh. which is sad for the Judds. Yeah, because you know? they're legendary. They're legendary, but you catch Prime Garth. Yeah. It's all over yeah, the radio. I mean, Garth caught no, once his once his second album hit, he caught fire in a way that like it was just, almost nobody else in history. Yeah, has. and so they had planned this tour. You know, obviously you don't plan your tour right, right. away, so they planned it the year before. Like you know, Garth's yeah. coming up, and he and had then, some mild success. He yeah. had much too young, and and maybe the dance. Yeah, and then no the fences hits or whatnot. Yeah. And, and then bam, it's like <sighs> kapowy, and it's like do you go see the opener? You know, yeah. so and that led me to like personally, have you ever seen anybody that you left? I'll give mine. I don't have a really great story, but two of the ones I've seen that I thought didn't destroy the opener because uh, i mean didn't destroy the closer because the closer was better but that i really liked seeing uh, john mclaughlin that yeah, opened for billy joel for billy joel yeah i didn't know he wasn't on my radar but after yeah. that, i was like man that guy's great and yep. obviously anybody that opens on piano for billy joel is gonna be right. good. and sean mcconnell were you with me when he opened for bruce hornsby i don't know okay i, I saw him open for bruce at the at the symphony it may not have no, been it wasn't okay no. i think then it would have been the one with with Kayla, I guess, but that he was fantastic. Uh, and then I saw a group called the night game open for John Mayer that really hooked me and Kayla on them, but none that I can think of that. Like now they're more legendary than the people I've closed that, that I saw closed. Yeah. I, um, I know another story of that, that early in their, early in their careers, Van Halen, Van Halen opened for, for journey. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Well, Van Halen, right. They, they, theirs was the, wasn't it the ace? Theirs was the, Black Sabbath. 
was their big thing. Oh, that's thing. right. Because they were like, Correct. Van Halen opened for them, but yeah. was like better. Uh, poor under, Richie Blackmore. I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? right? Like, yeah. Wasn't he Black Sabbath? No, no he's Deep Purple. He's deep I'm purple. so sorry. That's okay. Scratch that. That's, that's stupid. That's all right. I'm an idiot. Was... Host a music podcast. <laughs> um, anyway. It's all right. We know where you were going. Uh, I had I had one. I can't say that the, he, he blew away the opener, but, I, but he was just off my radar, and he's the guy that everybody I was with, we walked away. Uh, and and listen to his music on the way home. Okay. Uh, and uh, his name is Philip Lassiter, and he opened uh, for Snarky Puppy in Atlanta. Okay. And um, so we went for Snarky Puppy. We had no idea who this Philip Lassiter guy was. Um, but it turns out he is a monster uh, uh, trumpet player, keyboard player, and arranger. He used to arrange Prince's horns. Oh wow! Um, and 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 do do trumpet uh, trumpet stacks for Prince and stuff. He's done. He's won Grammys uh, for uh, arranging on, with like Kirk Franklin and all these gospel artists. Fred Hammond. He does all their horn stuff. And um, <clears throat> he brought out. We were in a venue to see Snarky Puppy that had held probably four hundred people, okay, maybe five hundred people. And it was in kind of a narrow, long room. It was it was crowded. Um, you know, there were some things being passed around. You know what I'm saying? It was that kind of room. He comes up and hits this. Um, he got got a Nord and he just starts hitting this like gink, 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 gink. I thought he was literally sound checking. You know what I'm saying? And and then his band kicks in, boom, and he's playing this just funky like way back on the beat. And I'm telling you, the room lit on fire for this guy. <laughs> yeah. And he proceeds to do this set of of like funk, just uh-huh. straight funk. And I, the I'm, the place was so lit the whole time. That's awesome. And it was it was almost an energy letdown for Snarky Puppy to oh, come man. on after that yeah. because Snarky Puppy stuff is a little bit more cerebral. Uh-huh. His stuff was just In dirty, face, just nasty left. funk. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's awesome. Oh man, incredible. That, that's the kind of story I was looking for. Love that, that guy. Good. Um, the other sax player on tenor sax, Charles Chalmers, uh, did stuff with, that's a funny name, Charles Chalmers. Charles Chalmers. Charlie Chalmers. Charles Chalmers. Charlie Chalmers did stuff with Jerry Lee Lewis and Charlie Rich and Al Green. So, okay. uh, previous, uh, previous episode on Al Green not too long ago. Y'all go back and take a listen to him. Uh, baritone sax, Willie Bridges, stuff with Sammy Davis Jr., um, also with King Curtis above and Quincy Jones. Uh, if you're Quincy Jones is one of his uh, sax guys. <laughs> yeah, if you're on his call list. Yeah, the, you're, you're friends with with a great. Uh, on Coronet, Melvin Lasty, uh, stuff with Fats Domino, Sam Cooke, and he helped Aretha write You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman okay. in 67. So Melvin Lasty. Backup singers. Um, sisters. Yeah. Here we go. So Caroline Franklin, maybe Carolyn. Carolyn, yeah. Carolyn, Caroline. Been, um, tried to make it on her own, but. Sadly, couldn't keep up with her sister, so she just became. That's a big shadow. Yeah, that I is. Mean, that's it's huge. Oh, that, that was not a size thing. No, that oh, didn't mean no. that like no. we weren't making like Aretha is big. No, that's a big shadow. We yes. understand where you're going. That um, Irma Franklin, uh, the other backup singer. Actually, she wrote the original or she's known for her original version of "Peace of My Heart." The Janis Joplin had a smash. Oh, really? Yeah. She had the original and said the first time she heard the Janis Joplin song, she's like. I don't recognize that song. And they're like, this is a song that you did, but the arrangement is so just so different, completely different. Um, and that could just be her huh. saying, oh, I don't know that song, you know, it's yeah. not my, but it's right. It's, Which uh, uh, Otis Redding sort of famously said about this song. He, uh-huh. he, he is quoted as saying that girl took my song the yeah. first time he heard it. And it's, it's a little bit unclear uh, as to whether he was upset about it or he was just like joking, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Aretha, on lead vocals and piano. Yeah. So uh, we'll touch a little bit on her. I say a little prayer for you, natural woman. I mean, rock and roll hall of fame legend, gospel music hall of fame, 2012. Yeah. Born on March 25th, which you talked about, which was Rob's birthday. Father was a pastor, uh, divorced. Her mother died at a young age. She learned piano by ear. Uh, constant weight changes. I know we talked about that. So we weren't, and I didn't mean anything by no, that no. on the shadow thing. Um, she battled with smoking, alcoholism. Um, but l- look who was with her on her deathbed. The two people that are beside her, Stevie Wonder and Jesse Jackson. I'm good. Wow. I'm good with that. Wow. Like yeah. if you've got two, two I never beside, heard that. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. The, and then, uh, there's a, at her actual, um, at her eulogy, it was the Reverend Jasper Williams who spoke for 50 minutes and is still criticized to this day that it was more of a political rant and didn't really give Aretha her 
do credence. Oh, so really? we want to make sure to say, Aretha, thank you for what you did. So that's right. You're awesome. Yeah, Stevie Wonder and Jesse Jackson beside wow. you when you when you leave this world. That's, that's pretty good company. Yeah. Her uh her dad was a well known pastor in Detroit. Um and she is she I believe until the day she died lived in Detroit. She never she never technically moved away. Um and uh and her dad uh was friends uh, with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and and traveled with him some and and they had sort of intersected you know and so she uh, grew up in the choir and you know all that stuff and then she started to um, when she turned I think eighteen she signed with a, a a secular you know deal and all that kind of stuff and her dad always supported her you know that kind of thing um, but um, but she's you know she started in the church and as a soloist and blah 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 and of course that's always when you have a family. You know, you end up family singers, and her her sisters end up singing in the studio, and and uh, <clears throat> her sister Carolyn um, was um, the one responsible for arranging a lot of the BGVs and even their like dance moves. Uh, this this thing uh, that I saw of them in the studio from that era, it would have been after. Well, at least it aired after this, and I'm pretty sure it was studio footage that happened after this. Um, was uh, um, you know them working out parts and dance moves and whatever, but she's, she's sitting at the piano with a, a, a dynamic uh, mic in front of her, something like an SM58 or something like that to do the, to do the recording with the band. They did it all live. Oh, wow. and, I, and I'm not sure that she went back in and did at Over least on some of the stuff. I think she recorded that the live vocal is what you're hearing. And then, and then some stuff she was, you know, set up with just vocals and like a condenser mic, that kind of thing. But, um, but I think at least the tracking now it could be, I've also, a lot of bands will do that for like a guide and vocal and they'll, they'll yeah, put in a guide vocal and then go back and retract the vocal, um, you know, otherwise. So that, that may have been the case there as well. I don't know. But, um, she was a really, really good piano player. Yeah. Like she had chops. I um, never thought, I didn't really look much up on, I don't think of Aretha as a piano player. Yeah. Like I don't really see, like when I see, you know, I think part of the reason I see Roberta Flack as a piano player is the Killing Me Softly album. She's sitting behind a piano. Right. So I think of that album cover, and so I'm like, okay, Roberta Flack, piano player, singer. Mm-hmm. Aretha, I don't think piano player, singer. I just think powerhouse vocalist. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's obviously what she became in live. You know, mm-hmm. that's what that's what you saw her as. But, um, but she, she played like a gospel piano style mm-hmm. that was, um, um, you know, and she was really good at it. And she said... Um, that to her R and B music at, at the at the time was just was gospel music mm-hmm. like that's how she conceived it and that's what she brought into the arrangements. Mm-hmm. So even she's playing bits and pieces of like you make me feel like a natural woman and instead of playing it you know it's just sort of the dry way that would have been the like pop way to play it at the time she's adding gospel inflection even to the chords and and the 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 movement and rhythms on the keys that gave it sort of that signature, um, you know, um, that signature sound uh, of hers. Um, just a little bit more on her, just so we fully understand who we're talking about here. You know what I mean? Um, she, she recorded until she was, I don't know. She, I know she put out an album at 72. Wow. I think that was her last album, which was, um, uh, Aretha Franklin sings the great diva classics, I think is what it's called. And it's literally, it's her singing like, um, she sings, uh, rolling in the deep and, uh, the Adele song. Uh huh. Oh, wow. um, nice. she sings, uh, no one by Alicia Keys. Um, and then she like, I'm every woman, uh-huh. you know, just all this stuff. Right. And she's kind of one of the original modern pop divas, right? Yeah. She was one of the ones that that term came to start to be used for again. And 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 used lovingly, not uh-huh. negatively. You think of a diva as like someone that's hard to work with, so you know, hard to deal with, which she I believe was at times because she knew what she wanted mm-hmm. and she was sort of steadfast in her uh vision, right? So um I can see why that might have applied to her at times. But you know, but I think of like late nineties, early two thousands, like VH one started to do divas concerts. Uh-huh. And she's like the first name that you think of, you yeah. know what I mean? And there's an interesting conversation to be had. I don't think we have, even have time to get into it of like Mount Rushmore of like modern pop divas, you know what I mean? Yeah, but she sense. is hard and fast on that Mount Rushmore yeah. for sure, mm-hmm. right? There's, you know, there's other people that you could take or leave, but Aretha is f- forever yeah. etched in that mountain. She's the Abe Lincoln on there, like <laughs> yeah, in the right, position. Like, of- you go, you're going to leave Abe Lincoln off Mount Rushmore, yeah. you know what I'm saying? No. Um, she, listen, she recorded, she recorded 112 
chart singles on Billboard, including 77 Hot 100 entries, 17 Top 10 Pop singles, 100 R&B entries, and 20 20 number one R&B singles. She is the most charted female artist in history. That's amazing. Aretha Franklin. Um, She won 18 Grammy Awards, including, get this, this is so funny. She won 18 Grammy Awards, including the first eight consecutive awards for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance. 1968 to 1975, she won all of them. Goodness gracious. Like, they honestly, at that point, they should have named it the Aretha Franklin Award for Best Female Vocal R&B Performance. You know what I'm saying? And then just taking her out of it. Mm-hmm. Contention and just, get, but having Let her, her name, judge, having yeah, her, having her name on it, you Let know, her I mean? vote from him, like the um, what was it, the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award that MTV right? Mm-hmm. They just renamed it the Michael Jackson Award mm-hmm. um, because he had won it so much. I think they should have done that for her, honestly, and at least and or and at, at the very least should probably do that now, yeah, right, as as a way to Pay honor her you. legacy. Um, she won the first eight. Can you imagine, like? <laughs> About year six, right? You're the other females uh, nominated, and you just go, whatever. Uh, I'm not even going. You know, like, I'm not showing up at you that. You can show video footage at my house. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, you can show me clapping at home for Aretha. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I'll just send you a tape. I'll just pre-record it. Um, she was awarded the National Medal of Arts, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. She became the first female performer to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, she's inducted to the UK Hall of Fame and the Gospel Hall of Fame. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine ranked her uh, number one on its list of the hundred greatest singers of all time. That's Aretha Franklin. She matters. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> she matters. The Pulitzer Prize jury in 2019 awarded her a posthumous special citation for her indelible contribution to American music and culture for more than five decades. I mean, like there's not enough time. We don't have enough time to, 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 fully talk about Aretha Franklin. You know what I'm saying? To really tell her story would take a month, uh-huh. you know? Um, just, just, uh, just incredible. And that's just, that's not even getting into like her life and all the, you know, all the various things about it. Um, but just that's to the give edited you, for television. version. Exactly. That's the cut for time version of, of Aretha Franklin. Um, part of this album is um, inextricably linked linked, excuse me, to Aretha's then husband, Ted White. You mentioned that they had divorced and actually divorced, I think in 1968. So like it was not long after respect landed that, um, you know, that, that they divorced. Um, he had both sort of positive and negative effects on her career. The positives being industry connections and influence and the negatives being, uh, you know, the same old song we hear over and over and over domestic violence, that, that whole business. Um, uh, slate.com says, after a successful first day recording the title track and first single of the album that would become I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, um, Ted uh, White got drunk and got into a racially charged fist fight with a cantankerous uh, fame studios head uh, named Rick Hall. Um, the couple left Alabama, Muscle Shoals, and reportedly separated for a period. Um, Jerry Wexler, the producer, spent 10 days trying to contact Aretha, who was just missing. She just ghosted. And, um, and he was like, oh, well, I guess this project's over, you know what I mean, before he even had a chance to begin. Uh, she eventually surfaced and convened in New York. They brought the Muscle Shoals musicians up to New York, and, um, and her husband was absent for those sessions. He didn't, he didn't come. And uh, starting out with a more um, sensual battle of the sexes manifesto, do right woman, do right man, and they found the magic had not abandoned them. And the following week, they got around to recording Respect. So, wow. uh, which probably at that point had started to mean even more to her, oh, yeah. right? Like the fiery performance mm-hmm. may have been even more so freshly fueled. Get a little closer to home. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, what a landmark statement for, like we said, take, take your pick of marginalized people groups. You know what I mean? This song matters to them, mm-hmm. you know? Um, all I want is just a little respect, right? Like, I at least deserve that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Um, uh, songs that spell out words. <laughs> songs that spell out Bong, words. Songs that spell out words. We got R E S P E C T. That's right. The okay. famous, the famous um, section, which is absent from. That's an Aretha Franklin <clears throat> original, original edition. Yeah. That's not in the Otis Redding version. I'll play you a little of the Otis Redding version in a few minutes. But um, yeah, that's one of her things that she brought that 
you know, whatever. So, okay, yes, yeah, songs can, that spell out words. We can kind of go, go alternating fashion. I got a couple. I got R-O-C-K in the USA. Oh, that's so good. John Mellencamp. Dang it. R-O-C-K Dang in it. the USA. Uh, I'm going to go uh, T-R-O-U-B-L-E by Travis Tritt. Okay, I don't know that one. I smell T-R-O-U-B-L-E. I know, I'm sorry, Travis. No way. I know you're going to find me and 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 me it. down. I don't know Travis I, Really? Tritt. It was a huge song. I'm sorry. I, I think it might have even been an Elvis song first, and Maybe. then Travis Tritt. It's, it's the, the, basically, he spells the whole chorus. Hey, yeah. good, L-O-O-K-I-N-G. Oh, okay. I smell, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, got, I didn't know that one. Um, in Hollaback Girl from <laughs> Gwen Stefani, don't that, isn't that the one they go... It's bananas. B a n a n n n a s. Yes, bananas. That's right. Yes, which also makes me think of "Hooray for Tom" by Bruce Hornsby, in which he says, "He hooray for hooray for Tom, who won the spelling bee." And then he he said, "I lost because I spelled b a n a n a n a." Yeah, that's good. That's funny. That's a good song. I'll go. How about how about "Method of Modern Love" by is that is is that by Holland Oates or is it by Yes? You're killing M-E-T-H-O-D-O-F-L-O-V-E. I think it's Hall and Oates. Look at that. Yeah, Method of Modern Love. Good job, Rob. Yeah. Um, Nat King Cole. Love, yep. L is for the way. Correct. That L-O-V-E. Yeah. 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 Um, I had my, my kids contributed a couple. Good job. Um, how about I am a C. Oh yeah, I am a C H. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I am yes, a C H R I S T. Yeah, that would that was good. That's good. And I have what is it? What's the rest of it? C H R I S T in my H E A R T and I L I V E E T A R N A L L Y. Wow, there you go. There it is. Vacation Bible School, early eighties. Okay, so I only have one left, and I had this. You're going to think I'm a terrible fan of this band because I couldn't remember the name of the song. I know it was the Aerosmith song, the. Girl, before I met you, I oh, was F I N E five. So I was like, "What is that song called?" I was like, "It's what it takes." What it takes, Tell yeah. what it takes to let. So I'm looking up this song. Well, Aerosmith has a song called F I N E. It's a completely other song. Oh, I did not know that song. That's funny. So I kind of get two. I wonder for if that that's one. a reference to. I don't know. It could be. It would make sense. I didn't know that other song, so I looked up "Girl Before I Left" or whatever. I was F I N E fine because I couldn't remember the name of it, and then I was like, "Oh, they have two. That's so, so funny. Kazoon tight. Thank you. I don't think I've ever had to sneeze while we're taping. Look at that. Isn't that weird? Not Hold leave on. That in there. One more coming. <laughs> that was good and extra loud for you guys. Wow. All right. So, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Uh, a couple more honorable mention okay. uh, real quick I'll throw oh, out. I don't uh, Albuquerque by Weird Al Yankovic. At the end, it's it's like an 11-minute song. Okay. And, and at the end, uh, he starts spelling Albuquerque, and he gets A L B. You and every, and he's got like a call and response. A A L L, and he goes B U, and then he pauses and he goes Kirky Kirk because it's such a weird word. Anyway, um, and how about a little Mickey Mouse M I C? Yeah, and then the last one. This is for my wife. How about Treasure of You by Stephen Curtis Chapman? You are a treasure more than. Let me think of that song. More than anything under the sun and the moon. Where's the spelling? Play it. We got to listen this up. Crystal, thank you for bringing this song back. Oh, T to the R to the. I got it. Yeah, to go. the, yeah, that's it. Oh man, God's treasure is you. Wow, well, we did two Christian songs in yep. here for you guys. Oh man, um, good call, Crystal. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. <laughs> Trying to add his own gospel flair, right? Wow. Good job. Oh, man. I've never heard that before, and that's, I hate it. <laughs> I'm okay with a guitar riff that kind of rips off uh, Free Ride. I'm okay with that, but that was disgusting. That had no business happening in 1994. Yes. On, no, just no, not, not from Stephen Curtis Chapman. Absolutely not. Good call, Crystal. Thank you for that. He was like, he was like, I got an idea, you guys. Have you heard this DC Talk group? <laughs> Let's do that. You want to just do that on a song? That's funny. That's awesome. Aretha. Aretha, man. Um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Otis Redding version. Um, according to Wikipedia, first of all, it was 1965, so two years before this. According to Wikipedia, it was originally a ballad written by Otis Redding for Speedo Sims and the Singing Demons. What in the uh, world? But that definitely sounds like it could be some Wikipedia nonsense. Uh, indeed, if you Google Speedo Sims, it just comes up with a bunch of articles about respect. And if you search it on YouTube, it's just a bunch of people playing the Sims game and making everyone walk around in their underwear and uh, bathing suits. Like right? Speedo, yeah, Speedo Sims. Yeah. yeah. But like we said, it's a role re- reversal from Aretha's. Um, 
And basically the, the message of Otis's version is I'm going to give you everything and then you can do whatever you want while I'm at work. Just respect me when I get home. It walks a pretty thin line in 2020, just shy of being problematic. Uh, it could easily be seen as chauvin- chauvinistic. You know, I'm paying the bills and providing the lifestyle. So I expect you to be under my thumb. Um, let's take a listen to it and, uh, and you can hear it for yourself and be the judge. First of all, where's the guitar line? Definitely sounds more like an Otis Redding melody. Listen to the bass line. Okay. Does that bass line sound familiar at all? Boom. It's about to. Because that bass line was the inspiration for the recording of Drive My Car by the Beatles. Yeah. How about that? That's the girl what she wanted to be. She said, baby, can't you see? Anyway, and that's not just me. That's like literally something Paul has said, you know, awesome. yeah, um, the guitar, the guitar part comes straight from it in spots. And apparently it inspired the Beatles to mix the bass and guitar harder as well. That's that band that opened for, that. for Roy Orbison, right? Yeah. In 63. Back in 63. Yeah, absolutely. Man, they were good. They, <laughs> they really after those boys? had a bright future. Yeah. Um, this song is obviously it's a cover song. Um, and, uh, so I started looking up just the greatest cover songs of all time. Right. Cause I think this could be the, at, at the very least, I think you could call this the most important cover song of all time. The this mo- isn't, most impactful maybe is a better word. We're not going to do our favorite covers. This is, we're not going on that. This is just a list that Rob looked up. Yeah, so, so this is primarily educational from a list. This isn't Robin JP's input on this right and this is this is an opinion poll that that rolling stone put out to its readers what do you consider the greatest cover songs of all time i'm gonna go ahead and tell you it didn't make the list really it did not make the list of the top 10 greatest covers of all time which is upsetting because i think it's probably number one in my opinion so we'll go down the list okay all right list the 10 yeah list the 10 uh, according to rolling stone readers the greatest covers of all time number 10 feeling good by muse Muse's cover of Feeling Good, which shocks me that that's in the top 10. Uh, I think that's a recency bias thing. Um, number nine makes me want to punch a wall. Knocking on Heaven's Door, Guns N' Roses covering Bob Dylan. Um, I hate. That is my one of my yeah, least yeah, favorite covers yeah, of all time. It just makes me. It literally sounds like the party band from Billy Madison. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Billy and past the third grade. Yeah, it's, that that's funny. Billy Madison way. <laughs> really yeah. Um, number eight. Um, where did you sleep last night? Nirvana covering Lead Belly, covering unknown folk artists of the 1800s. That's the that's the song that closes. Um, the um, Nirvana Unplugged, Unplugged album. album. My girl, my girl, did you lie to me? We told her to sleep last night. Uh, number seven, Jolene by the White Stripes covering Dolly Parton's original. This list is weird, right? I mean, it's it just feels wrong. Does this just show who like responds to the Rolling Stone polls? It uh, is just readers. Yeah, so it's just I'm a readers poll. This is, this is... Um, oh, I see. So it, it reflects Rolling Stone like readership. I guess so. Uh, number six was <laughs> Twist and Shout, the Beatles. Covering the Isley Brothers, covering the top notes. Um, number five is Nirvana again. The Man Who Sold the World, Nirvana covering David Bowie. Uh, number four, finally one that I think definitively belongs. <laughs> number four is, with a little help from my friends, Joe Cocker covering the covering Beatles. The Beatles. That's a good one. That absolutely belongs. Yep. Uh, number three, I get, I get this, Hallelujah, Jeff Buckley yep. covering Leonard Cohen. Uh, number two, Hurt, Johnny Cash covering Nine, Nine Inch Nails. Nails. And number one, All Along the Watchtower, Jimi Hendrix covering Dylan. I have no problem with those songs being on the list. I have a problem with the back half of that list, but the, but the top, top four at least I get. Yeah. Um, but, this, but this one being on there is, I mean, not being on there is, is pretty criminal. 
Uh, okay, just a couple other things. I wanted to talk about I this. wonder if that's because the original didn't have enough on its own. You know what I mean? Like the Otis Redding version, if it didn't chart enough, maybe. I and guess. So people don't realize that it's a cover. Well, yeah, that's think true. think of it as a cover. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I, I do think that people don't really think of the song as a cover. It's a surprise to a lot of people. Um, let's go back to Respect for just a minute, and I want to just just note something here in the sax solo section. Let's take a listen to it. King Curtis, everybody. King Curtis, here we go. Yeah. Dude, okay. So, here's what we're doing. The rest of the song is in C, okay? Um, and the verses are going G, F, G, F, C. It's n- no big deal. Um, the interlude, the sax solo, is in F sharp minor. Consider that. Really? It goes from C to F sharp minor, and your chord progression is F sharp minor, B, B7, uh, and then F sharp minor, G. So, uh, and, then, and then it goes back to the G chord, which starts... Uh, the the last verse putting us back in the key of C, the five chord in the key of C. Okay, so F F seven it is which is where the 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 chord before the interlude starts. Okay, so it's going boom just a little bit, boom boom. That that's the four chord, which is an F. Okay, F an F seven chord and an F sharp minor chord only share one note, and that's the A. Right, F A C for for an F seven, and an F sharp minor is F sharp A C sharp. Um, and so they share that one note. That's the only thing that they share. Um, but it's, that's the only thing that you can hang on to, to make any sense of getting your ear into that key change for me. Anyway, other people might be able to just think, you know what I mean? But, I step up, go minor. <laughs> yeah. It's such a weird transition yeah. and it, it works and it's awesome. But so yeah, let, let's play it one more time. I step up from the four. And I'll tell Yeah. It's so weird, right? So I'll talk you through, I'll talk you through it one more time. Let's listen with, with, with all that in mind. C, F, F sharp minor, D, Back to the F sharp minor. Then it's going to go a half step up and put us in G, G, which is the five of the C. And we're back on the G. F. Crazy? So it's very strange. And apparently that's a. I've never noticed that. Really? Well, it's so it's so um, ingrained in my mind of how yeah, the song's it's, supposed to you've go. You've heard it a million times I've and it just makes sense. That out. But That's... it's a very weird decision to to have made, but it, obviously it worked. It didn't hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and apparently that's a chord progression from another song of that era that I can't, I can't remember the title to, but they sort of borrowed a, a chord progression there and, and put it in there. Um just a couple more listening notes. I <clears throat> I don't know what to say about this except for almost Every line in this song is a masterclass in how to vocally deliver a lyric and a song. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, think about it. There are no throwaway lines vocally in this song. Every phrase is iconic in its delivery. Okay. What you want? Yeah. Right? Baby, I got it. It's all got its own attitude that okay. is iconic. There's not one single line in this song. That is meh. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's mind boggling. If you go back and listen to it, and it's different too. Like the sweeter than honey yeah. is delivered so much different than yes. My money. And then we should get to the un. Ooh, you kiss it. Yeah. Come on, yeah. man! <laughs> like it's so unbelievably brilliant in its delivery and that's all aretha Uh you know what i'm saying that wasn't she wasn't produced in any of that that was just her coming out Uh um just just incredible another thing that i noticed just in listening is how rhythmically loose or just plain like arrhythmic out of rhythm altogether the lyrics are until the bridge Mm -hmm. so she's going in other words if it would take you a minute to be able to sit and write down the rhythms of how loose what you want 
Baby, I got it. it they just kind of float above the... They don't sit evenly, right, across the rhythm. She's just, all I'm asking. It's all out of rhythm. Um, yeah, except for a couple of spots. But I think it makes the... When we hit the iconic bridge, okay, I think it makes this hit even harder and more effectively because then all of a sudden you've got this this melody that's just kind of floating you know what i mean uh i'm about to give you you know what i'm saying it's just whatever and then all of a sudden you hit bump r-e-s-p-e-c-t find out what it means to me r-e-s-p it's just this heavy slamming rhythm that just nails you in the face and goes straight into the sock it to me sock it to me sock it to me it it all of a sudden becomes like hyper rhythmic yeah. <laughs> after being, you know, really flowy. loose and flowy in, in yeah. its delivery beforehand. I think it's just amazing. Um, and just one more, one more note for me on just listening is uh, we talked about this in the, in our George Benson episode last week about the contributions of the BGVs to the song and how important they are. Um, they, they make so much of this song. Like I, the song would have worked if there were no BGVs, um, but it might have worked more on the level of Otis Redding's version yeah. than it does on the level of Aretha's version. You know what I'm saying? Every line you've got the oop, oop, right? That first verse is full of those oops. You get the just, a, just, a, just, a, just, a, just, and then you adjust a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And even the uh, uh, re, 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 re. And the socket to me's obviously. And the socket to me's, yeah. It's just all these little, like, those are all iconic in their own. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the blueprint for if you want. And it's sisters. It's family. Yeah. They're si- yeah. It's family. They're there with her. So This this song is, is the blueprint for how to do, you know, a fun soul song. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Um, there's just nothing about this song that is flawed at all. It's all <laughs> iconic. It feels incredible. It sounds amazing. Aretha is mind blowing, um, you know, and she's such a soprano. Like that first note is a is an E flat to an E, sort of a bent, you know, a blue blue note kind of thing there, which is like, you know, like I like I do, you know, music at church or whatever, and the highest note that I ever ask a soprano to sing is an E, um, and she just steps in the door with it. That's first you know note. What it's like what do yeah, like. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just my, it's so natural. And even till until her last record, she's still just just slaying fools with her upper register, upper register and range and delivery. She never lost that that placement and, and technique um, that made her able to just belt out whatever she wanted. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> just good. crazy. Um, I, I, she was just she was a machine until until the day that she died. It was insane. So happy birthday, man. Aretha. Happy birthday all... in heaven, Aretha. Thanks for thanks for being born. Uh we appreciate it. And uh thanks to me for being born. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Let's go celebrate. If we want if we want to talk about icons, let's you know, let's celebrate me. I'll take my flowers while I'm alive. It's cool. It's <laughs> fine. Good. I like yeah. that. All right. Um man, thanks thanks, thanks, thanks so much up. for you guys. Happy birthday to whoever's listening. If it's your birthday, Today, tomorrow, yesterday, just around now, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash groups slash great song pod, or just search for the group Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, at Great Song Pod on both. Or as always, check out the archives. Get yourself a t shirt at greatsongpodcast.com. Tell us where you're listening from. Tell us what you love about the show. Tell us what you hate about the show. We haven't had any bad negative response in a while. Chicago guy. Yeah, since our our Chicago episode. So, uh, get your facts straight, son. That's right. Somebody hit us up and tell us what we're wrong about. We got no problem being wrong. Um, I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, I made up 75% of today's research. It's up to you to find out what it's up to you to figure out what I'm lying about. So, uh, you know, let us know, let us know. We'll be back next week with another great song, but until then I'm Rob, I'm JP, go listen to some music.